My name is Father Mike Delaney and I'm the parish priest of the Kingston Channel Catholic Parish in the Archdiocese of Hobart. This is my homily for the second Sunday of Lent. We're in the third week of our message series called Seriously God, Making Sense When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And in a world where war is particularly uh, an issue for the people of Ukraine, it's a series that makes complete sense for the time we're in. As we began the series, we introduced three principles to keep in mind that would underpin the whole story. Firstly, it makes sense that God doesn't make sense. If we accept there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God, then of course he would not always think as we think, nor act as we would act. Secondly, when God does not make sense, we have a chance to grow in our understanding because God has revealed himself to us through the scriptures and through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we have to be careful not to confuse not making sense with life not making sense. Last week we looked at how to make sense of it all when God says no. We looked at the temptations of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and Jesus showed us that God's no's are to help us live in true freedom. Freedom from being enslaved to our desires, to evil and to the opinions and the whims of other people. This week we're looking at, the, at a time when God seems to let us down. There are major promises of life where we feel like God does not deliver or God allows major problems into our, into our lives that are at odds with our greatest and our deepest desires. We set our hearts on a dream and then we face problems that are insurmountable. And this is where we find a main character from today's first reading from the book of Genesis. But before we get into his story, we need to understand what precedes the, the passage today. We know from the book of Genesis that God created the world as something good. In chapter 3, however, we have the fall which comes from eating the forbidden fruit. In chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. The human race goes from the sin of eating forbidden fruit to murder. Genesis tells us that evil continues to grow in the world until humanity becomes so corrupt that God grieves the creation of man. So God sends a flood to wipe out creation, except for Noah, who was the only righteous man on earth. God saves Noah and his family of three sons and their wives so that he starts all over again. We see that the problem of evil doesn't, however, be solved simply by wiping out the evils or bad people off the earth. The problem of evil, the problem of sin, goes much deeper. For evil lives in the human heart. Ever wonder why God doesn't just wipe all the evil people off the face of the earth? Why does he allow evil people to inflict such suffering on the world? Well, God, the Genesis tells us how God has already tried that, and it doesn't work. Something much more radical needs to be done. Something even more radical than flooding the whole world and the building of an ark. The human race has become corrupted and doesn't know its creator, its maker, and this grieves God's heart. So, rather than send another flood, 
which God had already promised he wouldn't do. God forms a relationship with one person. And through this one person, he's going to bring blessings to the whole world. So he begins with the person of Abram, later called Abraham. We're first introduced to Abram in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis. In this chapter, we learn something very important about Abram. He, in fa a fact that needs to be understood, or the rest of his story will not make sense to us. Abram's wife was Sarah, and in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, we learn, Now Sarah was barren, she had no children. Now we know this can be heartbreaking for any couple. You or someone you know may struggle with infertility and desperately want a child. It is heartbreaking to want a child, to struggle, to have one and not be able to. As difficult as infertility is in our culture, it was even more heartbreaking for Abram and Sarah. In their worldview, bearing children was everything. Children were everything. Your value and worth and in a sense, your immortality came from having children and generations to follow you. So all of Abram's hopes and dreams rested in his firstborn son. Yet Abram had no son. He lacks for nothing materially, but he desperately and painfully wants a son. God has a plan to bring humanity back into relationship with him. He wants people to know him. So in chapter 12, God speaks to Abram and he says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will ha be a blessing. So God tells Abram to leave his country, to leave his family, to leave the riches of his father's house, and go to a land he shows him, and three things will happen. God will make him a great nation, God will bless him, and God will make his name great. Behind all of these three promises, it's understood that God would give Abraham a son. For a nation to come from Abraham, and for God to make his name great, Abram would require ancestors. So here's what we need to know about our God. God humbles himself so that he accepts us all the same. Certainly God does not want our relationship to stay in the place where we come to him only because we need something from him. But he stoops down to accept us when we come to him not because we want him, but because we want something else. How amazingly humble of our all-powerful God. Abram has been told to leave his kindred and his family so that he will have a son. But Abram hedges his bets and brings his nephew Lot along because, well, he's family, and if he doesn't get the son, at least Lot is with him. Subtly, the writer of Genesis is telling us that Abraham actually disobeyed God because he didn't trust him completely. We will see this throughout the whole of the story of Abram. He will believe God and kind of do what he says, but then he will hedge his bets. Now years had passed from God's original promise of a son. Abram had begun to fear that the promise will never come to fruition. 
we can sometimes fear that our hopes and our dreams for the future will not come to fruition either. It's natural to experience that fear, but God invites us instead to turn away from our fear to faith and trust in Him. Abraham says to God, What can you give me? I still not have a child. You haven't delivered. I don't have a son, and so the only one who is going to remember me is my servant. I have no legacy but him. There are people who feel like that right now. You hear God say, fear not, and you think God hasn't come through. God, you promised that I would have a blessing in my life. You promised it would be worth it to follow you. You may even feel that God promised you a child or a sense of purpose or job that you love, or that God promised you something else. In those times, it helps to check and make sure it really is a promise of God. If it is something God promised us, then it's okay to tell God that we feel let down by Him. It's even okay to vent to God. God can handle it. That's what Abraham does. And Abraham and God does not criticize Abram. Instead, he gives him a sign. We're told, And then this word of the Lord was spoken to him. He shall not be your heir. Your heir shall be one of your own flesh and blood. Then taking him outside, he said, Look up to heaven and count the stars if you can. Such will be your dependence. God takes Abram outside and made him look at the stars. In an age without electric lights, the night sky would have had numerous stars, countless. God was saying that even though you can't see all the stars, they are there. In the same way, know that even though you can't see your descendants, know that you will have them. And then we read, Abram put his faith in the Lord, who counted this as making him justified. So this interaction restored his faith in God. Notice it says, God counted this as making him justified. In other words, this is what God was after. Simply believing God has value to him. Trusting God puts us in a right relationship with him just as any relationship is built on trust. When there are storms and problems in life, that get in the way of the greatest desires of our heart. We often ask, why God? But perhaps a better question might be, what God? What are you teaching me about you? What does trusting you in this situation look like so I can come into a right relationship with you? For God allows the storms and problems of life so that we will actually turn to him in faith and trust. God wants to bless you and bless others through you. But for you to handle those blessings, you must first trust him. Without that firm foundation, you will crumble, crumble under the weight of those situations. What problems are you facing that are currently that seem like they are keeping you from your hopes and your dreams? Perhaps you might pray this week, for the grace to place your hope and trust in God.